Hey everybody, Van here. Just a quick introductory word before we get into this week's episode. Andy and I were trying a new system that StreamYard was offering that was supposed to make our audio much better than it has been, where we've had a little lag and a little distortion because of the internet connection that we have. And instead, it made it significantly worse. And I'm planning on having some words with StreamYard in the near future to tell them that's not exactly, it's basically doing the opposite of what we need it to do. So I just wanted to let you know that while there are some weird audio issues with this week's episode, we, it was already delayed enough that we wanted to get it out as quick as we could. So it's kind of here warts and all. I've done as much post-production editing on it as I possibly could to make it sound decent, but it still has some funky little areas. But we'll go back to the old system next time, and that should straighten out most of the problems, and then hopefully they will listen to me at StreamYard and fix the other ones and make this new system even better. So just to let you know, we are aware there's a few audio issues here. We're working on it, and we will not put up with substandard audio. We're going to give you guys the absolute best we can possibly do. All right, let's enjoy Hour of the Wolf. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 674. Look at the sun now. <laughs> this is... Oh, I'm Kosh. Hi, I'm, I'm Angelic Kosh. It looks like... It looks... It looks like the lighting from a Star Trek the original series episode. <laughs> I'm going to use part of this. I got to use part of this on the show. And for what people don't know, <laughs> normally Andy and I record our show at night, but we're recording this on Sunday afternoon because I was, I was sick earlier this week. And it's Sunday afternoon. The sun is coming right in the basement window of my studio and right into my face right now. I like I'm on the beach. I'm being blinded, and it's like I'm all lit up. I'm, I'm lit up ethereally like Kosh in uh, The Fall of Night, and I'm, I'm, I can't see. I can't see the computer screen, but I can catch Captain Sheridan the first time he falls, not the second time, so we're good. <laughs> the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Well, Andy, we're back. It is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Your favorite podcast. I have so very many, so very, very many to talk about Babylon 5. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, how are you today? I am doing wonderful, Van Health. Well, we're trying a little bit of an experiment. We're doing a few things. One, I'm being, I've am being i got the sun right in my face, so I'm being blinded currently. Um, number two, we're trying to do a different audio thing to see if we can get a clean copy of both of our audio. StreamYard that we use, and thanks to the great patrons for enabling us to use a nice service like StreamYard to record these shows. StreamYard is, has introduced a new feature, and for all that matters for you listeners is it hopefully will be able to give us separate audio tracks for Andy and for me without the distortion of the internet. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So we're just going to try it this time and see how it goes, and if it doesn't work, I, I'm still recording my usual master copy that I can go to. So we'll see how it works. But Andy, we've got, um, we are finally, finally to the start of season four. What do you think about that? You know what? I'm excited. This is, uh, this is kind of my favorite season, so... It's uh, it's gonna be. I'm excited. I haven't watched these episodes in a, a few years at at least, so I'm excited to dive into some of my favorite episodes again. It's it's gonna be a fun ride. And they're big. I mean, that's um, it's not a spoiler to say. I don't think that that you know beyond the show issues with the show being produced at all uh, kind of put 
the onus on JMS to have to produce a lot of the story in season four, more than what he originally wanted to include in season four. And so therefore, season four has a lot going on. There's just a lot of story right. crammed into 22 <clears throat> episodes. It, you know, it, it's interesting to speculate what season four would have been like if season five had been guaranteed and yeah. JMS didn't have to shove so much into season four. I, I, I'm wondering if it, if it would still be rank up there as, you know, most people's favorite uh, season. Because yeah, it wouldn't good, have all the big pal moments. It would, yeah, it would have a lot, but season five would, I think, be better regarded, too. I think people would like season four and season oh, yeah. five maybe equally rather than much more four than five. I, that's my theory. Right. We, I, I would agree that. We, we do know where the break would have been, and I'm not going to tell you, like, events, because that's spoilery, but the title of the episode was Intersections in Real Time. That's the one that would have ended season four if... Um, if um, that would have been the finale, the cliffhanger for this season, but but we'll never know because we're at the begin. Well, we, it worked out the way it did, but also, well, unless we get the new show, but also we're at the beginning of season four. We're here to talk about Hour of the Wolf. It's one of my favorite titles. I love that title because once again, it's JMS bringing his own. You know, I when when JMS speaks through Ivanova, I feel like it's JMS's Russian roots. You know, his Eastern European, Russian, uh, Slavic roots kind of coming to the surface. He, he uses that character. He uses Ivanova a lot of the time as kind of a way to express his, like, you know, it's like, you know, Sheridan or Sinclair is JMS as the hero. Yay. But Ivanova is JMS in kind of his more, like, normal state when he's not trying to be an action hero and he's being more like glum and pessimistic, you know, and and realistic. He would probably say, you know what I mean. I she feels more like his um, his actual personality in some ways, if that makes any sense. I would agree with that. Yes, that definitely yeah. makes sense. I would absolutely. It's like he's channeling a different part of his soul for her than he does for other guys. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so we're going to get into that. And there's this is a good Ivanov episode. And it's been a while since we'd had a good Ivanov episode. So I was very pleasantly surprised when I... I actually just rewatched it about an hour ago. This is uh, because of everything that's been going on between me being sick and been out of town a lot. And I've had a lot going on the last week. So I didn't get to rewatch it until now. And it is very fresh on my mind. And um, I was kind of... We, we had just talked in our last episode that you and I did about how Ivanova hasn't hadn't gotten the the play you know that others have um but she certainly did in this episode and i was very happy about that i have some questions for you about that too um let me remind everybody first and foremost that we don't have ads on this show this is a podcast that does not force you to listen to ads at all instead we have patrons our great listeners help support our show with things like Streamyard and hosting and all the various things that go into it all you have to do is go to www.b5review.com. B5review.com, the number five. I've never really said that. B, the number five review, real short. www.b5review.com. And click on Become a Patron to join the family and get access to our special episodes. In fact, um, since, you, since I was not able to record with you the last few days like we normally do, we usually record at the end of the previous, middle of the previous week, and then it goes up on Monday. But for patrons, I go ahead and post the episode as soon as it's ready. They usually get it like Wednesday or Thursday most weeks uh, before it goes out to the public on the next Monday. But uh, because we weren't able to do that this week because of me being sick, I actually posted a, another special bonus episode where Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, who is a... He is uh, part of the, um, he's mostly part of the White Rocket uh, James Bond podcast on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast is where Jared can mostly be found on our network. He also has his own, uh, his own show. Um, but um, he and I, like five or six years ago, uh, started to do a show like this, and we recorded uh, The Gathering in the first couple of episodes, uh, and he had never seen it before. So I posted that for the patrons. So it's an interesting look from somebody that's never really seen the show before. So if you become a patron, you can access that on the Patreon page. Just go to Babylon, go to www.b5review.com. Um, let's see. I also thank all the patrons, but I'll do that in just a little while. 
and they are growing. Our list of patrons is growing, and we sure are happy about that. I'm going to be blind before this episode is over, uh, Andy. I feel like uh, <laughs> you need some shades. <laughs> I feel like the uh, the the two explosive warheads on the White Star are going off right outside my house right now, and <laughs> I'm just I'm I feel like I'm recording this on the beach. It really feels like that. It's crazy. Um, I need the sun to just go a little bit further over. And see, it, it wasn't doing this when I sat down and we started, because if it had, I would have figured out a way to right. block that window off. But here I'm stuck now. I can't do anything. So um, let me see. What else do we need to go over before we jump into the episode? Um, I, I guess that's pretty much it. Do you have any other news or information before we get started? Uh, no, I'm ready to jump right into the episode. All right, let's talk about Hour of the Wolf. Again, do you want to kick off or receive, or do you want to defer to the second half on the summary? I, I'll let you do this one because uh, I, this was a weird episode. I, I don't know exactly how to sum it up, so I, I'd like to hear your, your summation. Well, my summation is always to just blatantly uh, copy the, uh, the, the Lurker's Guide. So they put it this way, which is usually vague and you can't really tell anything from it, right? So they actually have several right. things here. They say, Sheridan's disappearance begins to unravel the alliance. Well, yeah, that's true. Londo discovers that Emperor Cartagia has struck a disturbing deal, to say the least. These are my little editorial comments. That's not what they say. <laughs> Jacquard decides to search for Garibaldi. And Ivanova, Delin, and Lita head towards Zahadum to search for Sheridan. A lot of searching going on. This episode could have been called The Searchers. Right. So I have, I have found it interesting to check in on the P5 rating. That is... Um, when the show originally aired back in the mid and late 90s, uh, the people that were following along on the Lurker's Guide back then could vote on a scale of 1 to 10, and they would average it all out and post the rating. And it's just interesting to see what people thought of these episodes back then compared to now. We'll give our own rating of 1 to 5 at the end, but um, their P5 rating on the Lurker's Guide for this one was 8.89. That's pretty good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This was a big one. Interesting. Coming off the, the cliffhanger and everything, this was one where people were really excited to watch it and get, you know, you're trying to glean little bits of information to figure out all these mysteries that were left at the end of uh, Zahadoom. So this was production f- number but they four. But I didn't, didn't, I, I was going to say, they didn't answer any of those questions <laughs> that, they, that are left over from the, the cliffhanger. I, two things. One, I sense. I sense where your rating's going to go already. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and number two, I think we have a little bit of a lag, but we'll see if our audio system is going to help us with that, our, the new audio thing that, that StreamYard is doing. So anyway, um, production number 401 originally aired November 4th, 1996. I believe it was the very next week after Zahadoom. So they just kept it rolling, man, kept it rolling, went right on into season four in the United States and probably Britain. Uh, obviously, we're still written by JMS. He's continuing that run of episodes that he did from like the beginning of early in season three till early in season five, I think. And then directed by David Eagle, who I'm pretty sure is on our Mount Rushmore. I know our, our longtime listeners are like, they've got like 12 directors on their Mount Rushmore of, of B5 directors. But I think David Eagle's right. always, I think he's one we've always had on there. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Notable guest stars this episode include, and, and they just came right out and told us. I was very surprised that the, because there were spoilers in the opening credits. There was at least two. There were at yeah. least two spoilers yep, in the opening credits. Yeah, I noticed credits. that too. Um, it said Ed yep. Wasser is Morden, and I'm like, what? What? Yep. <laughs> Morden? I expected to see a little a little cloud of dust float by if Morden was going to be in this episode when I first saw it. <laughs> Instead of uh, darn close, <laughs> in, instead of other guy who looks like he's been at the beach, but well, <laughs> I'm at the beach currently. It seems like, and Morden looked like he'd been at the beach for like a a, a month. Um, Wortham Krimmer as Emperor Cartagia. I did meet him once. You know where? <laughs> <laughs> you know where? At Dragon Con. I, I- I know where. I'm not going to say it. Can't I go say, to me into saying that. Yeah. I have to say it because not everybody that's listening has been listening forever. So a lot of people don't know all of our inside jokes and stories and stuff. So for those that don't know, Dragon Con comes up a lot on here because that's where I met all the actors over the years and stuff. So, yeah, he was there one year. There was one year that they had freaking everybody just about. They didn't have um, didn't have Bruce Boxleitner that year, but they had almost everybody else. 
that was the and and um and um and yeah he was there selling his autograph for twenty dollars a signature and that was back in like 1999 or 2000 seemed a little extravagant to me but okay did i pay of course i did um was he selling any was anybody buying well my girlfriend and i did i know he made 40 bucks I'm like, when else am I going to meet Wortham Kremer? You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like it's going to ever happen again. So, um, <laughs> But I've got it. It's back here behind me in my, ba- in my binder. I got him to sign my, my collectible card game card of uh, Emperor Cartagia. So. Uh, Wayne Alexander is Lorian. Now, I guess if you didn't know who Lorian was, that wouldn't mean anything to you. But you do know Wayne Alexander. He's played, most famously, he played Jack the Ripper, Jack Sebastian, in uh, Comes the Inquisitor. And he also plays Adrazi a lot and other things. So this is his other big role, is Lorian, which is another uh, J.R.R. Tolkien reference. Lorian, the Lothlorien, is the uh, the Elven kingdom of um, Galadriel and Celeborn. Um, Purely coincidental. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he jumps off of a, a bridge at Zaha, at Khazad Doom. I mean Zaha Doom, and uh, and ends up with Lothlorien. With Lorian. So yeah, that's totally coincidental. <laughs> Um, and meets a wizard. How about that? <laughs> I, I swear I thought it was going to be Gandalf at first. Coming up, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I killed the Balrog. Who are you? What, what are you doing down here? Um, uh, and then finally, Damien London as the minister. I think he's later called Minister Verini. I think he's Verini. But in this episode, they just bill him as minister. So I like him. He's entertaining. All right. Um do you have any factoids, notes, or unanswered questions that you want to throw out to us? Because I have a few, but not as many as usual. I, I have a, <laughs> I have a couple. Okay. First, uh, you mentioned the actor that played uh, Cartesia. The character of Cartesia was based on Caligula, Emperor Caligula mm. from ancient Rome. The yep. actor, JMS says, was specifically cast because of his resemblance to the Emperor Caligula. Wow. Now, how exactly they knew that there was a close resemblance, I'm not sure. But JMS <laughs> insists that he looks almost just like Caligula. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I thought that was I, interesting. The only I, other thing yeah. that I have is that Malari's purple coat makes an appearance here. Yes. Um, I, I want to say it was for story. I want to say it was for story reasons. Right. Uh, and I'll get into that later. But JMS says it was because they had to match the flashback scene from season one of the shadows coming to uh, Centauri Prime. So that's why his black jacket was out at the cleaners and he had to wear his purple coat. Yeah, absolutely. That I caught that too. And uh, I remember, um, I remember when he, it was, it's like when that scene played out, you had to be thinking if you were paying attention, you had to be like, Oh, this is how they put him back in the purple jacket. So it matches the first time that he, Yeah. And they could have gone back and refilmed that too, but I think we would have noticed that his jacket was a different color this time. And right. uh, it, it, I thought it was kind of a neat little cheat just to say, oh, your jacket smells bad, so go put your old purple one on. And, uh, All right. I, cool. I want to say it was, it was because this was when um, Londo starts making the, 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 the term towards his redemption. It was at Uh-oh. that moment that he, that he witnessed that. And saw all those, you know, how, how he, he decided that this was this was not good and something needing. That's that's what I, I I like seeing it like that. That's pretty good. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that at all. I think that's really really good, Andy. Man, that's uh, yeah. I mean, because uh, he did, yeah. When he was happy go lucky, Londo, he had the purple coat, and then when he got to be kind of serious yeah. and part of the conspiracy with with the shadows, he had the. I don't know if it's navy blue or black or whatever, but it's 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 dark. It's a dark, whatever it is. And then, um, yeah, now he puts the purple back right. on. So I like, <coughs> excuse me, I like your, uh, I like your idea a whole lot. It makes sense. That's good. Um, all right, I only have a few unanswered questions, and some of them are pretty obvious, honestly. Um, what is going on with Sheridan? I mean, we know because we've seen the show all the way through. But people that are up to this point in the show have to be wondering, what the heck, man? What's what's the deal, right? How did right. how did he survive yeah. the explosion? How did he survive the fall? Who is this other guy that's down there with him? Why aren't the shadows down there grabbing him? What what happened to the shadows? Does doesn't he have like a lethal dose of radiation even if he didn't get disintegrated by the blast? You know. So right. 
So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting unanswered questions about Sheridan. Um, did you at any point... Now, we've talked about before, and I think it was Nathan that said that... Or maybe it was... I'm trying to remember who it was. It was somebody, one of the four of us. It may have even been me. Who knows? <laughs> one of the four of us on, the, on our season review said that they thought that, that he might actually be dead, right? Like, this, this show... This is the kind of show that has the guts to do something like that. And right. for a little while, they make us think it probably that he is dead. I was like, I was halfway convinced that I was starting to be persuaded that he was actually dead. What did you think? I, I thought that as well, but I, you know, the, it was kind of a cheat because they still had him in the, in the opening credits. I think that was your, your second spoiler, yeah, yeah. Or possibly your other spoiler in the or opening third, credits. third, yeah. Was that he was still. Yeah, he was still in the opening credits, so I wasn't thoroughly convinced that that he was gone. But like you said, you know, we, it, it was entirely possible. We had seen, you know, a big change after season one uh, with, with the command staff. So yeah, I I, I was confused. Um, I, once they showed him there at the end, I was sure that he was going to be back. But yeah, you you never, you know, with this show, you never really know. No, that exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then another couple of unanswered questions. How did Morden get far enough away from the explosion to avoid getting disintegrated and just get some deep burns? He looked like anybody that's got a bad suntan peeling off the dead skin. And, I mean, it seems to me like it, for him to be far enough away from that explosion, the, the second Sheridan pulled out the PPG on the shadows, Morden needed to hop on a supersonic transport and head in the other direction. And I'm still not sure he would have gotten far enough away to survive. So well, you'd only need you'd only need to get a, a couple three or four miles away from the the actual impact zone to avoid being instantly vaporized. Um, so, and we don't know how long uh, Sheridan was running around inside the the city with his PPG out because remember they cut all that out. Right, could have been running around for an hour or two. So we don't know. And you know if if they're living in you know advanced science fiction high tech buildings maybe some of them were able to you know lessen the the impact of the the blast i mean ward was still pretty messed up i mean he still took a yeah. fair amount of radiation um and and i think when we saw him he was being kept alive strictly through shadow technology yes um or so i i yeah i i don't i don't think he was close enough to the the, the initial blast zone to to be instantly vaporized um, I think that it would have been neat if they could have had time and space to explore this, but I think that uh, Morden was essentially being turned into a technomage because that's the, the technology, you know, is shadow technology, and they put it inside of you and everything. And so it could have been that shadow tech inside of him, like the technomages, is what was restoring him back to health. That's a cool concept. Morden, the evil technomage, would have just rocked. Right? That would have been so good. And if that could have turned up on Crusade and he had gone up against... Can you imagine if he became like Galen's arch enemy on Crusade? Crusade would have been ten times better and it was already good. So why don't they put us in charge of this right. stuff, Andy? That, we would, that kick, would have been awesome. We would kick so much butt if we were in charge of this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and then last unanswered question, at least for now. Whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi? Right. It's like somebody needs to make an that episode was, uh, of that title. Interesting. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. All right. So, a uh, few factoids. We have a new intro for 2261 and a new and new theme music. So, what did you think about the new opening and the new theme music? I thought it was really kind of cool cuz it showed all it had all the the different characters adding their bit to it. And I thought that was neat. And the theme music, I I just love the Babylon 5 theme music. So, yeah, I thought it was well done. What well, was like season 3's music had that kind of bang, bang, bang thing going to it, like bad things are happening. This season's yeah. music has a very much like military march to it. It almost has a, a Mars bringer yep. of war cadence to it. That's that. Uh, in fact, I think that same rhythms track is what you have in... All right, let me let me do it both, and you tell me because I, I I don't know if I can compare them in my mind, but I can do them both. All right, so Babylon Five Season Four is da 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 dun 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 da 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 dun 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 bum bum da 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 dun 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 da 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 dun dun da 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 dun 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 okay, and Mars Bringer of War is da 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 dun 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 da 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 dun dun da 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 dun 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 da 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 dun 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 dun. It's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, very close. Pretty close. 
pretty close. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that until now. I like how they have a split screen, kind of like you and I do right now. And in one screen, the actor is like the headshot. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm doing pose. it for Andy's benefit. And the other 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 screen <laughs> is the action scene. And I like how some right. some of them actually have action scenes from the previous seasons that they could use, and others their action scene is not exactly. <laughs> It's not like, for example, yeah. the best action scene is Zach, right? Zach does his Indiana Jones running and diving under the yeah. door. That's that's a great action scene. Whereas, and then even Lita, Lita gets to lean around the corner and shoot her PPG at somebody. I don't remember what that's from offhand, right. but maybe from the pilot actually or something. So some yeah. of them have action, like Delenn is there with the staff breaking the staff and everything, you know. Um, but then, like, Londo's action scene is him looking out the window as, as Narn, as the Narn plant, you know, the Narn homeworld gets bombarded. Um, and I'm like, right. ooh, you know, there's your, <laughs> it's not, a, I guess Londo well, hadn't had a lot of action scenes before. No, not, not too many. What about, what, what was Dr. Franklin's? I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't catch it. What always distracts me about Franklin's is that, they show a scene from Minbari Prime, and then they show Dr. Franklin, and that always throws me off. I'm always thinking, oh, they're going to show Lanier here, because they show right. Minbari Prime. Like, they show location, and then the split screen of the people, and then location, and then the split screen of the people. So they show Minbari, they show, the, they show, they show Minbar, and they show Franklin, and I'm so busy going, wait a minute, that's not Lanier. Why are they showing Franklin that I never noticed, like... What he's isn't he like looking or something, looking at somebody or like that, you know, kind of looking from one side. Probably I, I had a know. probably had a woman. <laughs> probably, yeah. Well, anyway, I like it a lot. It's really good. It's not as good as season five. If you haven't seen it yet, season five's opening is hands down the best one. It's got the best theme music. It's got the best videos. You know, the best uh, images. It's so good. I can't wait for the season five uh, opening segments. Those are so good. Um, and then uh, you can stop watching season five after that opening segment. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> shots fired from I Andy. Kid. Wow. wow. I kid. All right. I have a trivia question for you, Andy, since you've tossed the grenade out there. I have a trivia question for you. I think you'll get this. <laughs> All though. right. I think you'll get this. After, as of Hour of the Wolf, okay, as of this episode, there have now been two different occasions where Sheridan is separated from his stat bar, his little rank insignia from his shirt, from his chest. What are the two occasions, and how did he get separated from it? Oh, golly. (laughs) I want to say it was when he went to see the Pac-Marad monks doing their chants. Yes! Yes! They put the little bowl out. The the first time, yeah. And he put it in as his payment, yeah. Right, and you caught the wasn't second. Wasn't there another one where, yeah, wasn't there another one where he was being held hostage? Hmm. He there was might have been himself up as hostage for somebody. I forget. He had to go. I forget what what the circumstances were. He was in down below. Yeah. He was giving himself up so he could do that sounds, something. That sounds like a I Sinclair move, but I I wouldn't put it past him though. It make it sounds it sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's three I, then. I, yeah. Well, the other one was he dropped it here. We saw him drop it. The first time right, that we see right. him shuffling around at the, at the in the bowels of Zahadum. I just thought it was interesting yeah. that he keeps getting separated in, in scary, dark places. Um, <laughs> yeah, good job. Good good call back with the Pak Marah. Um, the eye is mentioned as the, the eye of the shadows, which I thought was interesting because, A, it's another Lord of the Rings reference, the eye of Sauron that watches for Frodo and Sam and everything. But also... It's the name of the jewel that the Centauri have in season one in Signs and Portents that the Raiders capture and then they, the shadows give back to Londo. Oh, I had forgotten about that. You That's know, interesting. You know why I remember the eye so well is that whenever I would play the Centauri in the card game, one of the things you can do is give Londo the eye and that gives him extra stuff. <laughs> it gives him a destiny mark and a, an influence and everything. So, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, and it, it should be noted that the eye of of the shadows has six eyes, not just one. It does. That's right. Yeah. And it was very much like what Ivanova, and she mentioned it. What Ivanova saw when she was in uh, in um, um, the the Great Machine. 
Yeah, when she went yes. into the great machine and was out traveling around and, and she saw the eye. And I think, and I correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, I know that the eye gets mentioned in uh, at least one of the novels. I want to say it's Peter David's Centauri trilogy. It might be in Gene Cavalos's Technomage trilogy instead. I don't think it's in the in the Dell books. I'm pr- it's got it's in some of those, but it's in one of those. I want to say maybe it's uh, it's either in the Technomage books or in the Centauri Prime books. I'm pretty sure. That could very well be. I'm I'm I, I, it's been a I long don't time. recall any. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. But now. My question for you is, when Ivanova says later in the episode that she feels like she's been here before, is that in reference to when she was attached to the machine, hooked up to the machine? Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I absolutely think so. I don't know when else it would be because she saw the eye. Remember, she went off the path, and he's like, draw is like, get back on the path. Yeah. Right. That, that's the only thing I could think of because I was racking my brain. It's like, when else was she ever here before? It's like, nope. And I swear... It'd be funny if, if Draw pulled out a gold ring and said, show him this, it'll distract him. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, all right. Uh, that, that oh, oh. a little bit too on the nose. Yeah, I got a couple more. I think you're right. A couple more points here. I don't think Lanier got enough credit for his accomplishment in this episode. He saved them. He saved their butts. He totally, yes, totally, it, totally it. saved them. And they were kind of like, huh, okay, right? They're like, what, yeah. what? How did we get out of here? What happened? And Lanier's like, oh, I just did this thing so that we wouldn't die. And they're like, huh, right. okay. And they just carried on about their business. I'm like, you should all go over and hug him. Good gosh. What is wrong with you people? What that was foresight? the entire command staff of, of the the alliance. The, of the alliance. Yes. And if they had taken all three of them oh. plus Lanier, oh. there wouldn't be anything left to oppose them. Nothing. No. Can yeah. you imagine? Well, all right, let's let's do this. Who would be running Babylon 5? Cuz Sheridan's gone, Delin would be gone, Ivanova would be gone, uh, and Garibaldi's gone. Would it be is Franklin? What's his deal currently? I don't even remember. Would it I'm be Corwin? Sure. <laughs> right? Would it We'd be Corwin running this thing? Marcus, he's not yeah. really in the command chain. I don't no, know. you have to get the uh, Ottoman Empire chart out to figure that out. Right. <laughs> it would have been Marcus and Zach. Zach would have been next in, in line. Oh, if good God. We're gosh. looking at the, the order of succession there. It's probably Zach as. Commander as... Allen. Commander Allen <laughs> up there on the bridge. They're right. like, Commander Allen, the Vorlon ship's approaching from the jump gate. What do we do? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, guys. Uh, I'm going to go get a sandwich. You handle this. <laughs> what would the chief do? What would the chief do? Oh, geez, man. Come on. Um, I don't know who. I, I guess it would be our good old friend uh, Commander Utumbe or whatever. Utumbe, right? There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we never found out which side of the war he came down on. He may have packed up and left right. during Severed Dreams. That's true. That's true. Holy crap. Or he could have woken up and he could have woken up and he, he would have said to himself, finally, day shift. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like, just as I planned. <laughs> yes. They asked me to go on that white star, but I'm like, no, somebody needs to stay here and do all the mundane business that, you know, the boring stuff. Oh man! Wow! A yeah. White star. I really am curious. What, Veer? <laughs> no, it, he's just part of. It had to be part of the command staff, but that would really would have gutted the command staff, right. wouldn't it? Wow! Yeah. And it's not like Earth Central can send somebody new. They're an independent state. It's it's they're right. they're it. They're right. it. There ain't no other yeah. it. They are the it. <laughs> I, I think the Drazi would have taken control of the station. Oh, oh. man! With the Drazi leading the Army of Light. That's gonna be a that war is gonna be really short, and I don't know if it's short in a good way or short in a bad way, but it's gonna be short. <laughs> it would be spectacular. We think we should attack. Drazi want to attack Zahadum with very clever frontal assault maneuver. <laughs> Send all forces directly at Zahadum. See what happens. Could be good. Oh my gosh. That's it's always fun to get to the to get to do the the drazi. I appreciate that. Right. I appreciate that. I appreciate you setting me up like that. Uh, I really do. I I just pitch him, Van. You knock him out of the park. 
well, I don't know about the last part. Um, but no, I do think that Lanier needs more credit because he really did something incredibly brilliant to save everything, and they all just blew it off. I couldn't believe right. that. Like, so, oh, right. okay. Um, let's see. We talked about the coat. Oh, last thing. Last thing. No, I, got, I got a couple of JMS things, but last general point. Over and over, Lanier kept saying there was no signal coming from Sheridan. Knowing what we know now, Andy, do we trust that that was true? Oh. Uh oh. Maybe it was Don't like do that, Zan. Maybe it was like, uh, this is this is Sheridan. I'm here, yes. I read you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Delin. There's no there's no response. Man, I I I, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put L- Lanier. Lanier, I'm I'm right here, Lanier. Don't you hear me, Lanier? <laughs> Delin, I don't hear anything. <laughs> No, I don't think Lanier would do that. I don't think no. he's he's that, right. that far gone yet. Yet, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> JMS says uh, somebody asked JMS, "Did you know what was going to happen to Sheridan when you wrote Zaha Doom?" And he says, "Well, I think you can't do something like that without knowing how you're going to pull the characters fat out of the fire, and it has to make sense." I think people will be satisfied with what they see. So, yeah, he 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 pretty much knew. I bet he refined it a little bit but i think he knew that the wizard that gandalf was going to be down there so right would have been funny if he called him gandalf instead of lorian um or it'd have to be like flang flangdoff or something like that you yeah. <laughs> he couldn't have used the, the exact <laughs> spelling <laughs> <laughs> um and then the last thing somebody asked jms what it, how how the actors get back into character when they've been gone for the summer or whatever and jms said that Peter Jurassic says that whenever he needs to get back into character, he just straightens up and says, Mr. Garibaldi, you know. And I wanted to point out that I did a very poor job there, but I also want to, because it, it's been a while, but I also want to point out he did that for me, me alone, unprompted, unsolicited. I was talking to him, you know where, and yeah. actually, actually we were at the bar in one of the hotels. It was he, he and I ended up, for some reason, at the bar talking. And, um, I, I, you know, again, the show hadn't been off the air for, but for like a year or so at that point. This was like 2000 or 99. And I just said, you know, I said, I always enjoy doing your Mr. Garibaldi. And I did it as best I could. And Peter just looks at me and goes, no, no, it's more like this. Mr. Garibaldi. And he did the whole thing. And I'm just like, yeah, well, who could do it better than that? You know, so I <laughs> just left it at that. But uh, it That's was awesome. neat. It was neat to get a personal, private performance of it. And I didn't know, you know, people always say, hey, so-and-so actor, why don't you say this? Why don't you do this bit? I would never do that. I would never do that. But he just did right. it. I think he did it because when I did it, it, bo- it hurt his ears. <laughs> <laughs> he had to kind of wash away my bad one so that he could do a good one. And there we go. There you go. Right. So, oh, man, I wish I had a, I wish I had a video of that. Um, I got a picture of us, but I don't have a video of us actually t- talking about that. Um, all right. Let's get into the categories. What do you say? Um, you want to t- and this is going to be interesting. You want to tell us your high point of this episode? I, uh, <laughs> of course, we have start off with this one. I, yeah. I, I couldn't come up with, with something that actually qualified as an actual real high point. I mean, it was all interesting stuff, and it was all good stuff. I, I couldn't because it was all so depressing, and there was no, <laughs> no real. I mean, it was just like there were everybody was in a holding pattern for the whole episode. I, I couldn't think of anything that that would qualify as an emotional high point or even an exciting point. Maybe seeing the white star flying around. I, 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 <laughs> oh, I guess that could be a high point, but, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I'm just saying that uh-huh. th- th- that is the, the tone of the episode was, was such that it was, there wasn't any real bang moments or really cool moments. It was just all kind of, a, you know, like I said, and everybody was in a holding pattern. Well, all right. Maybe, maybe it'll help if I say this, I was going to, I was going to say, I had a hard time with that too. And so I kind of broke down the way the show was, this episode is put together. And I noted this episode was built around two kind of showpieces. One was Londo's, two trips. One was Londo's trip followed by Veer to Centauri Prime, right? That was one of the central parts is Londo goes to Centauri Prime, meets the Emperor, whatever. The other sort of showpiece it's built around is the ladies' day out, I called it. <laughs> and, and Lanier. Lanier can hang with yeah. the ladies, right? It's like if they, yeah. and I, oh, I'm going to be sexist and everybody's going to hate me. If they went shopping, Lanier would carry everybody's bags. 100%. Right. 100%. Absolutely. And he would love and it. And he, he would, would be happy. He would to. hold the lens purse while she was off shopping. Somewhere. Oh, 100%. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he would happily stand outside the dressing room holding her purse and the other bags right. while she's at 100%. I apologize to all the folks, male and female, that I may have offended by going there, but I just thought I, that's just the image I have with Lanier is like he, he really loves to like hold the bags while Delenn goes shopping. That's, the, that's, just, what, that's right. just how he comes across. Come on, the character. But anyway, no. So the three ladies are great, great ladies. They go to Zahadun to try to rescue, at least to find out what happened to Sheridan, right? And right. um, that's the other thing. And so I kind of said that the high points are really just the way the show is built to have those two big parallel journey things to set up the rest of the season. So it's not really right. a high point. It's just kind of two good introductions that involve journeys. And, and I, maybe um, seeing Jakar wearing um, yeah, the hat. wearing uh, Garibaldi's pork pie hat jauntily. John said, and now that now that you mention it, Jakar also starts on a journey. We don't get to see this is true uh, the actual outcome of that, not yet anyway. But yeah, what he he starts on a journey as well. So this is true. There you go. Um, oh, I also appreciated how talking about how this episode is structured. I appreciated how this episode is structured in a circle. It starts with Ivanova waking up. Well, no, her alarm's going off, and she's already up, hadn't slept. Right. And then it comes back around and almost ends with the same scene again. But now she's trying right. to, like, come to grips with it. She's kind of been able... To, I mean, that's the the main thrust of this episode, particularly where Ivanova's concerned, is she's trying to just come to grips. And she doesn't want to, right? She wants to hold right. out hope. Delenn wants to hold out hope. Right. And, and I think that trip, to what you're saying, I think that trip to uh, um, Zaha Doom gave closure she was needing so she could not you know not necessarily so she could process her grief not so she could get over it but process it and move forward and get back to living life yeah that's a good way to put it for sure yeah i like that all right did you have a low point or was the entire episode kind of a low emotional point no i i, I the lowest point was uh the dissolution of the, the babylon alliance with all the, mm. the league of non-aligned worlds refusing to help them and all walking out because it seems like at that point Everything that they built up throughout season two and three, just in a in a blink of an eye, just dissolved, and yeah. they were back to square of three at that point. You know, they they didn't have anything to fall back on. So that that to me, and that that hit hard for both Delenn and for. I mean, you could see both uh, Delenn and uh, Ivana. Ivana lost her temper. I mean, in in the in the council chamber. So yes, I mean, it was, they were they were on edge. That that is something I did want to comment on. Um, I know Ivanova was cranky, as we say on Babylon 5. <laughs> she was cranky. Mm-hmm. She hadn't slept in days, whatever. She'd been drinking. I was going to say, Ivanova does as good of a job as you can do mourning and trying to take up your former boss's job and do your job all at the same time. But the drinking isn't going to help, right. and it's just going to make it worse, I'm afraid. So uh, as Mr. Yeah. Garibaldi could no doubt tell you. But, but no, I wanted to mention her, the scene in the, in the council chamber. I think that somebody needs to tell Ivanova that what works in the turbo lift doesn't necessarily work in the <laughs> diplomatic chamber. Screaming at the non-aligned world aliens is funny when they're arguing over who's going to get on the elevator or whatever. It's it's not good right. in the council chamber when you're representing Earth. Well, you're not really representing Earth anymore. You're representing Battle of Five. But you know what I mean. I mean, right. it's... Right. Um, I, I, I that was that was my cringiest moment of the episode was when she was just completely unprofessional, uh, sarcastically calling out the non-aligned worlds as if they were just annoying people that she had to deal with at work rather than representatives of entire star empires. You know that I'm like, man, you know, right? That's that 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 was that, the exact wrong way to approach that. Yes, it it maybe it works with like playing on the pride of the of the first ones at Sigma nine five seven or something, but I don't think it was what you needed to. Right. <laughs> I don't think you needed to lead with <laughs> name calling and screaming in the council. That that's uh, we'll leave that for Londo. Um, yeah, so that was I said the low point of the episode to me was Ivanova all the way through it, and and again by low point I don't mean that she did a bad job. I mean that she did such a good job. She right absolutely. was so haunted. Her, ex- her facial expression, the way she carried herself, Ivanova was barely present for much of this episode. Right. It wasn't until the, you know, when, when, when Lita came to her and said, let's go and actively do something, 
that got her back to being the old Susan. But up until then, she was just a ghost rattling her chains around the station. I mean, she wasn't barely there, you know. And so um, just thinking of all the weight that landed on her shoulders. And as we were talking about a minute ago, you know, if this was before Severed Dreams, they would just send the new commanding officer. But this, you know, right. this, this, is, this is it. She's it. If she can't make it work, there, it's time to give Corwin a field promotion. You know, that, that's it. So, yeah. She, that, right. Point, she has the entire weight of the galaxy on her shoulders. I mean, she is the only one, you know, trying to hold everything together to stand against this. This isn't even a matter of, of, you know, keeping Battle on 5 operational at this point. It's a matter of standing against, you know, the pure chaos yeah. with the shadows. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's... That's a lot to, to take on all of a sudden. Man, yeah. And, again, I, I don't blame her for turning to drinking and not sleeping and all, but it just doesn't seem like the wisest uh, course of action. I feel right. like it's not going to make it better. It's only going to make it worse. Well, that was the low point emotionally, as we say, for me. Um, but I thought that Claudia Christian did a great job. Um, and, and you know what? She seemed she – it's interesting, too – if you look at her in the first half of this episode, she seems small and delicate. And that's a strange thing to say about Susan Ivanova. Mm-hmm. But she's got her hair all pulled back. Absolutely. And she just looks haunted and everything. The expression she makes. There's that one scene where Veer is telling her, you know, well, I think he's probably dead, whatever. And she's not looking at him. She's looking at us. And he can't see her face. And her face goes through all these different emotions and I'm just like, Claudia Christian, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. I mean, she just did stood there right. on that set and did that, and I'm just in awe. Yep. That was impressive. Yep, absolutely. And then one, But again, once they get on the ship and go to do something, it's like she gets a foot taller. Doesn't it seem like that? Yeah. Or her shoulders are back. She's standing up straight, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's got that glint in her eye. And she's in the command chair, which I'm going to... And that... Right, and that's all. That's all on Claudia Christensen too. That's that's not you know anything to do with trick lighting or anything like that. That's she she transforms physically. Um, I have something to say about that, but it's another category. Uh, what was your most Babylon Five yeah. scene? And that's a tough one for this one too, because there's so much. This was just all. This episode really was all over the place. Right, it was. But the, the my most Babylon Five scene was when um, uh, Londo is talking with Veer and says. You and I must kill Emperor Cartagia because yeah. that is the moment that you know that he starts back on his redemption. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was that was pretty cool, and that, that has huge implications, and that will play out over the next two seasons. And and Veer's reaction is like, even though he kind of knows it's coming, when he actually hears it out loud, he's like, if this had been like an R-rated show, <laughs> Veer would have been like, <laughs> what the blue. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's like, what? Um, yeah. No, that's that's a really good one. I had a Londo, too. I, now, that's not my number one, I think. My number two of my two is Londo seeing the dream come true with the shadow ships. That's something we've waited for yeah. for quite a while. And that's a, that's right. pretty Babylon 5-ish to have the shadows showing up. Um, right. But I think my number one most Babylon 5 scene was Escape from Zaha Doom, where the, the shadows are coming to get them, and then they... They're about to, oh, even creepier. It would it would have been been there done that for shadow ships to come up and go after him. Instead, they're like, take the ship down to the surface. I'm like, right. no, no, yeah. they're hypnotized. No, and then the ship turns around and hauls butt through the jump port. Which again, somebody yep. give Lanier a raise for some for crying out loud. But that to right. me was, was just awesome. awesome. That was the best moment of this episode for me. I thought. Yeah, that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Speaking of moments, what was your favorite character moment this time? I had a few of them. You can see that, that Jacquard starts his redemption path. I mean, he gets himself and, and starts setting things right for his own. So I thought that was kind of a cool moment. And like I mentioned earlier, the, the hat was really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I had several. I did, too. Uh, when Delenn stands up to Kosh slash Ulkesh slash Darth Kashi, it's like it took Sheridan three years to stand up to good Kosh, and now Delenn is right. Delenn is right in the face of evil Kosh, or well, he's not evil, but dark Kosh, right? She's like in, up in his business, right. and he's like, you know, she's like, I, I thought that do, was a great moment. Yeah, she's like, you'll do something, or I'll lose all respect for you, and he's like, your respect is irrelevant. And I'm like, dang man, come on, Kosh. What's up with that? 
Yeah. So yep, um, that that was number two on my list. Yeah, that was good. Uh, did you have any others then? I didn't realize that you. No, yeah, that that was that was my uh, the Jakar and Zach was my main one, but I I wasn't going to get into the, the rest of them because there was a whole bunch. <laughs> well, I have a couple more. I mentioned when Delin looks away oh. from Veer and toward us as as Veer is talking about Sheridan and she does the whole. That's that was a really powerful scene. And then um, yeah, the the rest the rest of my list were all Ivanova moments. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Go ahead and give me another one then. Let's see if it's the same thing. Uh, that that moment when she's talking to uh, Veer was a, was one of my moments. Yeah. And then at the very end when she's talking with uh, Lita in, in her in her uh, chambers and explaining yeah. to her everything that she's going through, I thought that was really cool too. That was. Um, I liked. I think it's from that scene where Ivanova says. The wolf and I are now on a first name basis. That's a that's one of the funnier moments, but it's also a good character moment. Yeah. And I also love yes. that at that moment she wants to use her little communication thing. Right? Did you notice that she can't find it? And it fell behind the pillow. It was in the couch. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I was like, that's so perfect. That's so real life that you look for the remote control or something, and it's somewhere yeah. down in the cushions of the couch. I was like, yes, that's. That's and it just happens in the background. I've probably seen this episode a hundred times. I've never noticed it before. I'm not sure if that was intentional or if that was just kind of a flub that she covered for well. But that was a fun little moment. I thought it, it was, was kind of neat. It was great. If it was by accident, it was a brilliant accident. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is when they're on the White Star, Susan is in the captain's chair, not Delenn. I continue to find it very interesting who gets to sit in the big chair on the on the White Star. I watch very carefully now to see who gets to sit in the high chair. Yeah. I mean, I know that we do see Delenn sitting there sometimes, like in Severed Dreams, and I know there's some more later, but I was wondering how Ivanova came to be the person kind of in charge of this operation and not Delenn, but I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I thought that was, uh, I, I think because she was driving that whole mission. We're having some terrible audio connection problems right now. I'm just hoping that the, the this new recording thing will solve that. We'll see how it works. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now I can. My internet keeps dropping me out of the out of the studio and bringing me back in. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, this is kind of an experiment. If the, I'll just say again to you folks that are listening, we are constantly trying to make the show quality better, and we're doing this today to to try out a new thing that will hopefully make it better. If it makes it worse, we won't do it anymore. We're going to find out when this is over how it came out. So hopefully it sounds good, but we'll see how it plays out. We are to funniest moment. Uh, for me, the funniest moment that I had was uh, when Londo. <laughs> so I would say the funniest moment was when Londo was again going back to that moment when Londo was talking to uh, Veer, and uh, he was telling him how much he he needed his help and how th- he was you know their Londo's last. I am as shocked as me that this as you are saying that you know I don't really I I can't believe that I'm actually having to rely on you for help here, but. By golly, this is what I'm stuck with, so I'll, I'll have to go with you. I thought that was that was kind of funny. Yes. I had Londo also, uh, when he mentions that he's seen the Emperor on two previous occasions, one was drooling and the other was looking up women's skirts. He says, I'm sure I'll be just as impressed with him this time as I was before. <laughs> and that was pretty good. Yeah. I was going to say that all of his snide remarks that he was saying to the, the Emperor himself, you know, did, saying saying things deferentially, you know, yes. reverently, but, but knowing what he thinks of the emperor, he was sneaking in insults the whole time. Oh yeah. He referred back to that one. He said, uh, he, he, he said something like, you know, Oh, you look just like you did the last time I saw you or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing I was going to say is I always thought Mr. Morden was flaky, but now he literally is. So there you go. But, um, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Should have gone with a copper tone. Um, SPF 50, Morden. <laughs> SPF 50. All right, last couple of categories. Who won this episode? I have I, I have a very uh, interesting take, I think, on this, on who won and who lost, but I want to hear what you think. Who won? I, I have, when taking notes, I was writing stuff down, and the first one I wrote was Londo question mark. Um, not because of anything that happened positive to Londo, but because he shifted his attitude towards uh, his redemption. But I don't think that was a strong enough shift for him to have won this episode. So I'm going to say Sheridan won this episode because he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, 
if we're going to go by the improbably still alive, not only Sheridan, but also more than one. Right. So I have him, at least for now. He didn't die. Like a bug, you right. can't. You keep swatting him, and he keeps scurrying under the table. But and, I, and I didn't say that Sheridan was alive. I just said that he wasn't dead. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's a, that's a distinction worth <laughs> making on this show, for sure. And yeah. then I have, for who won and who lost, Ivanova. Because I think that she lost so much, and she knows it, and she goes through most of the episode that way. But I think she also won in a number of ways. And by the end, she kind of closes the deal on that, I think, more or less. And so this is a rare... I don't think I've ever done this before, but I have the same person won it and lost it. That's legit. I can see that. I definitely have Ivanova as the loser this episode. But, yeah, yeah, I can see where you could spin it where she was was also a winner. Yeah, because by the end of the episode, she'd kind of accepted things and was ready to move on and get down to business and... I could see her maybe putting the, the liquor end. away and, yeah, getting tidied up and going to work. You know? Right. Right. The old Ivana was definitely back by the end of the episode. And then the last little note I had about that is this is, this is one of those episodes that set th- sets things up a lot for later, and it's where we begin to realize how deep of trouble everybody is in. So in some ways, basically everybody lost in this episode because everybody has to get right. in trouble before they can come out of it. You know, the JMS always talks about the story structure being, you know, you get somebody in trouble, you get them up a tree, and then you start throwing rocks at them while they're in the tree, and then you have to find a way to get them down. And so this was one of those episodes where everybody gets up in a tree and some of them start to get hit by rocks. And that's that's just the right. that's just the way that story structure works. So this was this was never an episode where anybody was going to win very big. You just either you survive or you don't, or either we're not sure if you survived or not. Right. So. Right. All right. Well, are we to the rating? Ooh, baby. We are. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling I know where this is going. All right. You want you want to say? Sure. Now, before I give my rating, I will preface this by saying three stars is not a bad rating. (laughs) I I keep having to explain myself on Twitter and and on this podcast, but three stars is not bad. That being said, I gave this three stars. (laughs) I had a feeling you were going with three stars when you explained that. Three stars. All right. Well, this is one of those episodes that when I watch watch the series the first couple of times – this had the feel of we're back, things are still kind of the way they were at the end of the season, the previous season, and we're just setting up kind of where we're going to go now. But going back and watching it again now right. and, and kind of trying to – I was trying to evaluate it as an episode and not just as part one of 22 of season four, you know, but just trying to focus on this as an episode right. and what it's trying to do by itself. It's, I told you that it's, it's structure – how it is structured, how it's put together, um, all of that. When I took all that into consideration, Andy, I this one came out better than it ever has before for me, and I gave this one a four. <laughs> no, that that's a fair rating. I, I I thought that like like I mentioned earlier that this one was a lot of treading water. Yeah. Um, Ivanova's story was the only real arc that that had any resolution to it. Um. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, four is a fair. I mean, sure. Okay. I'm still sticking with my three, though. No, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So let us uh, – we've gotten through it. Um, let, me, let me go ahead and thank our patrons. Then we have a couple of patron comments, and we'll talk about – see if we have any spoiler space. But first, here are the fine folks who are currently keeping this program going. And uh, we do appreciate it because clearly, clearly we do still need to get the um, – the audio figured out. We were working on it, working on it, working on it. Uh, it took John and me on our football show like seven years to get it to where it is now, and we'll get it, but we just had to figure it out. So we have to thank Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G., Rich Hammett, Dragon Con Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jal Ja, I can't, I've just had a cold. It's hard to say that. Lady Sif, Mondo Six, Michael O'Connor. St- oh, here we go, Andy. Steve Palmer, Andy secretly rates War Without End of Five. Yes, I knew it. Thank you, Steve, for telling us what we all knew. Um, 
Stu Parker, the Geek Boy, Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Hour of the Wolf, Maine, a.k.a. Daft Zeppelin, Ice Cream Clone with Boba Fett Head, and Michael Halbrook. And thank you all so very, very much. Go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com to click on the big button and become a patron just like them. Get the episode several days early and get special bonus content and episodes and video and whatnot whenever Andy and I are able to do it. Now... One thing I want to point out, as always, is you can put whatever you like in your name field on Patreon. That's why some of those were shorter and some were longer. Some people put their name. Some people put, like, an actual message that they want me to read, and that's fine as long as it's something I can read on a family show, and that's what I do. So if you want to become a patron and put, uh, put a comment up there, in fact, on our football show, a couple of people actually have the, the website for their um, – you know the the URL, the address for their website that they want people to go to. So I read that. So it's like a it's like a nice little advertising thing on a very low budget. So come on aboard. We would love there to you have go. you. All right, all right. Let's see. Last thing. Um, this is where oh patron comments. We have two patron comments. Uh, Colonel Dad, aka Ari Benzane. I miss my category, Mister. Uh, I really in, um, oh oh yeah he listened to the episode of the original version with Jared and he says I really enjoyed this classic it was nice to hear the thoughts of someone who had never watched the show before his insights were spot on too loved it I kept laughing at the fact your co-host didn't know the characters names he'd call Londo the big haired guy funny and refreshing thanks <laughs> thanks for sharing with us yeah I don't plan for that to be a regular occurrence. But we do have like three or four of those. So if if Andy's on assignment or I'm sick again or something, I'll probably stick one of those up there for a couple of days until we can record. Uh, and then Ice Cream Clone says your classic episode inspired me to rewatch the pilot again. And he said besides Ed Wasser appearing, and we all know that Ed Wasser appears as like a you know a member of the bridge crew on the on Babylon Five way before he played Mister Morden. He said, did I spot Vice President Clark doing some early espionage? Uh, maybe coming out of the lift at the 50-minute mark. Now, I'm going to have to go back and look at that because I don't remember. But if he was dressed differently, I would have never noticed President, uh, Vice President or President Clark. And he says, I wonder if there are other cameos from directors, writers, or producers or actors I may have missed. Well, we know that there's a couple later. And in, and I think that in that scene, uh, you remember the the uh, by any means necessary or whatever it was. The uh, I think it was wasn't that it was the one where they had the the stock the dock workers strike with our good friend um, yes. Orin Zinto. I think a couple of like Orin the Zinto. yeah good old Orin Zinto. I think a couple of the production people were playing dock workers in the big group scene, which would make sense. Right, you stick right. some overalls on them, give them a wrench, and put some grease on their face, and stick them out there going, arr, 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 you know. And then, but I don't know beyond that. It's a good question. Any, let's say, I don't really have any spoiler material for this episode. I think everything was pretty much right there on the surface this time around. Do you have anything? No, not really. I mean, we could talk about Lorian and 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 uh, Sheridan's journey, but we'll we'll cover all that in the next couple episodes. So. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into all that immediately. Yeah. So it is, spo- yeah, wondering right. who Lorian was uh, is certainly a big unanswered question for now. But I think it's an unanswered question for like one more episode. So we start to figure out answers pretty right. quickly. So yeah, I guess I think we'll yeah. just skip that. So okay, so on our next installment, we will cover four oh two. What was that question I said earlier? Whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi? So that'll right. be cool. We'll find out more about Sheridan, maybe, and we'll find out maybe something we just kind of totally ignored uh, Mr. Garibaldi. Uh, other than Jakar, we totally ignored Mr. Garibaldi this episode because all the concerns right. seemed to be with uh, with Sheridan missing. I was surprised Ivanova yeah, didn't. I don't think uh, I don't think Ivanova. Yeah. Right. She didn't even mention Garibaldi. No. That that's the one thing that surprised me. Yeah. Of course, she didn't have to assume his job. She did have to assume Sheridan's job, but there was personal stuff, obviously, there too. So, you had asked earlier if I had believed that uh, Sheridan was was still dead, was actually dead, and, and the actor wasn't coming back and all that. And I, I didn't really have any strong thoughts on that. But I, after watching this episode the first time around, I thought for sure that Garibaldi's character was not coming back. Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. Yeah, and and. <laughs> And other than Jakar, nobody's seen that broken up about it. So, you know, even Londo right. should have been said something because they were always tight, you know? Right, exactly. And that's why, because they were so de-emphasizing his disappearance, I, I just assumed that, nope, they're just going to write him off and that'll mm-hmm. be that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll get further into the question of whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi and whether you like it or don't like it is a whole other issue. It's a storyline I have problems with, but we'll talk about that. There, there's your cliffhanger. We'll leave that till next time, won't we? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Any final thoughts, Andy, before we get out of here? No, I, I, I this was a, a solid episode. Um, mm. it, it, it wasn't, you know, bang pow. What, you know, I, I was expecting it because of the buildup we gave season four. I thought that it would start out with a, a big bang episode, but really none of the seasons, Mm-mm. the follow up to the cliffhangers have been that huge of, a, of an episode. Mm. So I guess looking back that uh, I should have anticipated this. this. This one wasn't, you know, you know, gosh, wow, that was super cool. Um, I, again, it wasn't a bad episode at all. It just wasn't what, what I was expecting. For, I guess this is the going up the hill of the roller coaster before yeah. we drop over the edge. Yeah, this was more a reaction and setup. There was not right. really much closure other than Ivanova kind of at the end emotionally. Other than that, it was it was reaction to what happened and set up for the next time. That's pretty much it. So. Right. Yep. All right. Well, join us in two weeks for 402, whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi. And uh, Andy, I will talk to you then. All right. Sounds good, sir. We'll, we'll see you then. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.